Okay, I'm pulling out of my driveway. We know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so today I thought I'd do something a little random. Well, I thought I'd talk about randomness. <laughs> In fact, I thought it'd be funny to post, you know, uh, drive to work a randomness and then just, you know, quote random things for the entire drive. But that's not what I'm doing today. Um, what I'm doing today is I wrote an article many years ago, or not, I don't know, some number of years ago, uh, called Kind Acts of Randomness, in which I talked about the role of randomness in game design. And I thought today I would examine uh, that topic. I mean, I'll be, I'll be broaching a lot of the things I talked about in the article, but as always, I'll be adding new things in. Anyway, and my wife, when I, I told her I was going to do an article on randomness, she goes, oh, well, maybe you should drive to work a different way. And I said, okay, yeah, that sounds like a cool idea. So I am going to drive to work not my normal way, uh, a different way. Uh, I don't know what that means. I don't know how long this will be. It will be random. So... Uh, a little, a little meta to go with my uh, topic of the day. Um, okay, so randomness in game design. Why? Why do we have randomness? So let, uh, let me. I guess I had to start by defining randomness. Um, so what randomness means is um, something that is not not in control. The player is not in control of that. Some outside force determines some outcome. Um, now, as I stated in the article, and this is important, um, from a game standpoint, it doesn't mean that you can't have influence into it. You know, I do think it's, just for example, uh, Magic's big randomizer is the library you draw. And that doesn't mean that I don't think you can't have cards that affect the library. You know, I think you should be able to mitigate randomness to some extent. And, as we'll get to, I think the ability to mitigate it makes people much happier with it. But... I, I do believe that randomness means that you, the player, don't always know what's going to happen because of forces outside your control. So why, why is this important? So one of the podcasts I will get to eventually is going to talk about um, communication theory. I went to school, uh, communication school, and there's some interesting stuff I learned there that I apply that I'll talk about. But one of the, one of the things it talks about is the human need for surprise. Well, why? Why do humans need surprise? Um, and, I don't know, there's a lot of interesting discussions about, you know, why physiologically humans need it. But humans, while they like stability, and it's important to them, it's very important to them, they also need to have some context of the unknown. Um, why is that? I don't know. I, I guess it has to do with, uh, I, I, here's my guess, uh, physiologically speaking, is that if humans never have a need for the unknown, it keeps them from ever venturing out. It's why humans have curiosity. That, you know, you want to keep people safe and you want to build that into their genes, but you also need to make sure that they, they learn new things. And without a desire for the unknown, you don't have the opportunity for new things. So anyway, built into people, the important part here is built into people is uh, a need for surprise, a need for things, you know. So... Let's talk a little bit. What I want to talk about, and I did this in the article, is talk about what randomness does for a game, talk about the negatives of randomness, and then I'll talk about how game designers can use randomness to, you know, for their best, to, to use it to help their game the most. Um, so, first off, what does randomness do for a game? Um, well, first and foremost, um, randomness uh, makes, creates surprise, as I was saying. I mean, humans need surprise, it creates surprise. 
Why is that important? Um, because there is novelty in not knowing things. Um, and that, uh, I mean, movies take this all the time, and that, you know, it is, it is fun to go into a movie and have a general sense of what's going to happen, but then you kind of, it's fun to be surprised. Oh, I didn't see that coming, you know. And the games want a similar sense, that, you know, one of, one of the general joys of, of entertainment is you, the audience member, not exactly knowing what's going to happen. And so randomness in games helps make sure that, that the games have some surprise. Um, and I, I would argue that with surprise comes fun, that there is a decent amount of fun of being surprised. Now, like, I, I'll talk about it in a bit. There, there's good surprise and bad surprise, but there is, there is a, 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 a fun moment. Like, one of the things, for example, is um, when we made um, Miracles and Aviston Restored, um, there was a lot of, of concern about, you know, hey, here's something that's completely out of people's control, but, but what we notice is when we watch people play, that it's created this kind of like, this lean-in moment when people would draw their card. It's pretty cool, you know, that's like, what's going to happen, you know, and that um, creating that moment is definitely something that is very exciting in, in, in any game. That you, whenever you have players leaning in, that, that, that's a physiological sign of what's going to happen, you know. Um, or, or people do something, and they're like, they're, there's a, just a little bit of nervousness because they're not quite sure what's going to happen. You know, that leads to fun gameplay. Um, the other thing that uh, Renmus does is something... Uh, so one of the important things in game playing is what we call variance. Um, and the reason is that doing the same thing can get boring. You know, if you always do the same thing, if every time you do something, it's the same thing. Now, I'm not saying there's not some familiarity and there's some comfort in knowing things. And as I, when I do my podcast on, um, on uh, communication theory, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of communication theory is built around the idea that humans crave doing the same thing again and again. But that said, especially in gameplay, because um, I think when people play games... They are trying to get a little bit out of the comfort zone. They are trying to sort of challenge themselves. And, you know, and uh, so I, I think that you want to make sure in games that you want some variance in the gameplay because I think what happens is if the game plays out the same way too many times, your, your player just goes, okay, I mean, even if they enjoyed it, at some point they go, okay, I've done it, you know. And that one of the things that's let magic last for 20-plus years has been hugely high variance. You know, part of it comes the shuffling of the deck, part of it comes from deck construction, but, but magic isn't, you know, magic games don't tend to play out exactly the same, you know, all that often, you know, and that, um, one of the things that R&D works really hard at is when we find mechanics that lead to just, uh, repetition, we're careful with those, you know, if you notice, we're, we're, we're a lot more careful these days with tutoring and, and things that lead games to be exactly the same every single time. Um, so the other thing that it does is, um, uh, one of the things that I, I think that uh, Randomness gets gets pinged for is the idea that um, it decreases scale. And I believe that that is not always the case. I, in fact, believe, in some level, the opposite, that the ability to react to randomness is very, very skill-testing. You know, and that, for example, um, you know, would Magic be a more skill-testing game if you didn't shuffle your library? Um, and my answer is be, I, I don't really think it would be. I mean, there would be some skill in deck construction, I guess. Um, but then, once somebody understands sort of what, 
you know, what they're, what they're doing. I mean, once someone understands the order that they have to put their cards, or, or they can read the internet and see somebody else doing it, it's just, okay, fine, here's the order of your cards. You know, a lot of what makes magic very skillful is that you have to adapt and you have to react, you know, and, and that, and, and here's the best example. Um, I've talked to a lot of pro players and, you know, I mean, top, top magic players, and they pretty much, I mean, there's, there's always some disagreement, but the majority agree that, um, that drafting is more skill testing than constructed. Well, wh- why is that? Well, A, there's more components that go into it. Um, drafting itself has a lot of skill to it, but also it just has a high variance that you have to, you have to adapt. And the reason, for example, that drafting is interesting is I can't just tell you that card A is always better than card B. Because sometimes card A is better than card B, except in certain circumstances. And trying to understand the circumstances is where a lot of skill comes into play. Or even just in the gameplay itself. One of the things that happens is, if you play Constructed, you kind of learn what's going to happen. You kind of have some anticipation of what you need to worry about. But in Limited, all sorts of crazy things happen. That you, you know, Especially with like Rares and Mythics, where odds are you've never played against that card before. If you did, it's been maybe once. And you know, the deck you had is a completely different deck than the deck you had now. Um, and so one of the things that randomness does is it allows the experienced player, you know, and, and not only does it do skill testing, I, I think that responding to the unknown is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, there's something in, uh, in game design known as flow. Um, uh, McConnell, uh, Jane McConnell talks about this in her book. Um, and I'm blanking the name of the book, but it's a very good book. Uh, and she talks about fl- what flow is, is when you're playing a game, uh, that you, the player, feel that you're, you're being pushed at your limit and that you feel like, you know, like you're, you're testing the, 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 just a bit of where you are. The, the example I give, I'll, I'll give my, my example of this, is um, way back in the day, way back in the day, I used to play a game called Asteroids. Uh, for the youngins out there, uh, Asteroids was a game in which you had a little ship and you would rotate around, and asteroids would come at you, and you could shoot them and break them up. Um, now, you had the ability to thrust and fly, um, but the problem was, it was much safer to stay in the center, where you could, you could sort of gauge everything, and spin around and, sh- and shoot the, the meteors. But every once in a while, you'd get in trouble, and you'd have to thrust. Um, and there was this moment when you were thrusting, where you were shooting around and thrusting, where things were out of your control, and you kind of knew that, like, you were pushing the limit. Because, like... When you're in the center, you, you understood, you, you had the parameters. But when you're moving, wow, you've just increased the complication of understanding what's going on tenfold, you know, because you're moving and they're moving and it, it is a lot, lot harder. But there's this moment when you would survive and you were, you were doing it where like, you knew that like you were on borrowed time, that you, like, like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm still alive. And that to me is the, the moment of flow. Uh, it's just in a game where like, you are pushed, where you're testing your limits to the nth degree. And I think that randomness helps create flow. You know, when I know what to expect and I know what's there, well, okay, I, I kind of understand it. But when I'm pushing an area that's unfamiliar to me, that I'm adapting and, you know, and, and working on the fly, that's where I think some of the best flow moments come. And I think that's important. I think randomness helps create that. Okay, so what are the downsides of, uh, of randomness? Okay, so one of the downsides is repetition. Um... And my example of that is uh, Go to Jail, which is a card in uh, uh, Monopoly. Um, now, Go to Jail, there's exciting moments of Go to Jail. And, and uh, is it, like, so Go to Jail, you have to roll double to get out. That, that's how jail works. Um, 
Now, on the plus side, sometimes there's, there's exciting moments to seeing if you get out of jail, and that can be very exciting. But also, there's the moments where, like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't, do, you know, we're just, it, it creates repetition because it doesn't allow you to do anything, you know, and that repetition, like, you have to be careful because sometimes randomness can lead toward repetition. I mean, sometimes it breaks repetition, but sometimes it can cause repetition. Um, also, it can get very frustrating um, because when things are outside of your control, if they go against you too much, you know, a little bit you adapt to, but at some point you just feel like, man, the universe is working against me, and you start getting demoralized because you're like, what? What can I do? It's not, it's not even me doing it. It's outside factors doing it. And for example, I know when people talk to me about Maniscrew, that Maniscrew falls into this, that Maniscrew has randomness to it, and that the downside of randomness is you just feel helpless. You're like, I didn't even get to play. I didn't get to do anything. There's nothing to do with me. And, and randomness can lead to that, and, that, and that's a very bad feeling. Um, also, while adapting to randomness can be very skill-testing, randomness in the wrong way um, can... I mean, there's an interesting point about how often you want your lesser experienced player to beat your better experienced player. I will say this, as a game designer, if your lesser experienced player can never beat your more experienced player, you are really, really limiting your game. I'm not saying you can't make a good game. Obviously, chess has uh, lasted a long time. But you are very much limiting your audience for your game because you will limit it to people that are willing to lose until they learn not to lose. And that is very hard. There's not a lot of people that are saying, I know I'm going to lose for a long time, but eventually I'll, I'll push through that and then start to win. Most people are like, I've lost so many times, that's it, and I'm out of here. And that they need um, a constant... Re- uh, they, they, they need to be, you know... Um, they need a little bit of assurance to say, hey, hey, things aren't going to be so bad. Um, and that um, if you... The nice thing about having a game where occasionally the worst player beats the better player is it gives them hope. And I've, I've talked about this uh, before. Hope is a very, very important part of game design. That you want your players to always have hope. Now, the hope doesn't need to be a high percentage chance. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I talked this before about how you, you need to make sure that the player feels like they have a chance to win. You know, Hope doesn't need to mean that I have a great chance of something happening, but it needs to mean I have some chance of it happening. Because, um, essentially, if you want someone to play your game, you know, that there is some... When, when a game player starts playing a game, they enter in sort of a blind trust with the game designer. And basically what they're saying is, okay... I'm putting my trust in you. You claim you have a good experience for me. And it's the same thing as going to see a movie or going to see, uh, uh, you know, watching a TV show. But the, the interesting thing about seeing a movie, as an example, is most people tend to read reviews or, or get advice from other people. People don't blindly go to movies. Now, I, that's also kind of true for games. People don't blindly play games. Um, but anyway, there's this moment of, of trust. You're like, okay okay, game designer, okay, movie director, you know, I'm putting my trust in you, don't disappoint me, you know, because this is out of my control, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm giving you control, but I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you that you'll deliver. Um, and so part of that is pe- game players want a feeling that, you know, there's hope for them, that there's always a chance, you know, and randomness, when used, used correctly, can help make that, but used wrongly, can take that away, and one of my big lessons today is that randomness is a double-edged sword, you know, that 
randomness can, randomness is not like this be-all, end-all tool that's just awesome. Randomness is a a double-edged sword that when used correctly can enhance games, but when used wrong can can decrease the enjoyment of games. And uh, sort of my message of the day is it's a valuable tool, but a tool that you have to be careful with because if used incorrectly, it actually lessens the enjoyment of your game. Okay. By the way, just as a little side note here, uh, I'm driving the back way to work, which I've gone a few times. Um, but, like, you know how when you go to work normally, like, your brain just kind of knows where it's going? So uh, if I seem distracted a little bit, <laughs> it comes from me going, is this the right way? I, th- I think I know where I'm going. Uh, although if I get lost, you guys get an extra long podcast. So maybe win-win, or not win-win, lose-win. <laughs> anyway, okay. So what can you do with randomness to, um, how do you use it to its best? Um, okay, and I have a couple suggestions. So, first off is try to use randomness to lead to upside. Um, and so let me give my, my example is, um, I use a different example for my, my, my column. I, I, so here's my, my is, I'm going to play a game. And my game is, you flip a coin. And if you roll heads, I'm going to give you some candy. And if you roll tails... I'm going to give you some money. So heads, you get some candy. Tails, you get some money. That's game one. Um, game two, you roll heads, I give you candy and money. But if you roll tails, I punch you in the face. Okay, so which, which is a more fun game? Well, in, game, in the first game, uh, I can't get money and candy. I can only get money or candy. Where in the second game, there's an outcome where I get candy and money. But there's a downside, right? So the first game is fun. It's fun. What am I going to get? Am I going to get candy? Am I going to get money? It's fun. It's exciting. Because you like candy. You like money. You can't go wrong, right? And so that randomness is a fun game. Because I, there's some excitement. The randomness is playing into the fun part of it is, ooh, I like candy. I like money. Ooh, which one am I going to get? That's an exciting randomness. The second one, it's like, okay, I have the chance for candy and money. But I also, I don't like being punched in the face. And so now I'm nervous. Now I'm apprehensive. Now the randomness is causing me discomfort. In the first case, the randomness is causing me happiness. In the second, it's causing me discomfort. In both, they're unknown. In both cases, I don't know what's going to happen. But in the first case, I'm anticipating. I'm excited. Ooh, what's going to happen? In the second case, I'm, I'm reticent. I'm like, okay, okay, you know. And that I think a lot of game designers do the second. Um, and a little of the second is okay. For example, we'll take coin flip cards. Sometimes in Magic, um, we want to do coin flip cards. No, I prefer coin flip cards in which big advantage, small advantage versus big advantage negative, right? Um, because even a small advantage is in a big, you're losing. Like, if I get, let's say, say I'm going to flip a coin in Magic and I either get, you know, 20 life or 2 life. Well, 2 life is, is losing. You know, I could have got 20 life, I got 2 life, you know. But that's better than 20 life, lose 10 life, right? Because if, the, if, if your one side is too negative, human beings will focus on um, the thing that is the most extreme outcome, okay? So, for example, I tell you you're, you're going to win money or candy or you're going to be punched in the face. I'm focusing on being punched in the face. That's what I'm thinking about. Oh, I don't want to be punched in the face. I'm not thinking about the candy and the money. Now, it is possible 
that you could create an upside so good, the person goes, oh, I hate being punched in the face, but oh my god, I, oh, I really want that upside, you know. But in gaming in general, um, I mean, in life maybe you can make that work, but in gaming, you kind of want the upside and the downside to be something that they can, you know, the downside is something that's not so apprehensive that it draws their focus. Okay, number two. Um, you want to give players a chance to respond. Okay? So what that means is that when something... So one of the truisms of randomness is the earlier you get the randomness into the game, the better. So why is that? Um, and In fact, one of the things I often say is uh, you want randomness in your game, but one of the best ways to get randomness in your game is to start with a random component. You'll notice there's games that start with a random board, or where you start on the board is random, or like Magic, you know, uh, you shuffle your library. Um, the reason that is good is, I was talking before about the skill testing thing. People want to be able to, if you have a chance to respond to randomness, it's skill testing. Okay, what happened this game? Okay, okay, you know, and now I have time to deal with it. Okay, well, that's fun. That, that is, is a skill testing thing, and that's like, okay, I want to figure out how to deal with this. And that is a fun part of randomness. I get to adapt to it. But if randomness is at the end of the game, look, the worst thing in the world is, okay, I'm going to win or lose. If I, if I flip heads, I win, and tails, I lose. You know, we try to avoid that magic where we can. That it's not fun where it's like, and the whole game came down to a coin flip. You know, now, the funny thing real quickly is sometimes people think of the top of the library as a coin flip, but what they miss is that every turn you buy yourself another turn, you buy another draw. Like, I love the things where someone draws out the game and they draw the, you know, the, the, they draw the direct damage spell to win the game, and the person's like, oh, you're so lucky. And like, no, I drew out the game for seven turns, so I can keep drawing cards. Yeah, eventually I drew the card to beat you, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm so lucky. I spent lots of time and energy getting to the point where I got to draw all those cards, getting to the card I needed to beat you, you know. And that, um, in general, what you want to do is, earlier you put the randomness and let people adapt to it, the more fun. The later you put it, the more that the game hinges on the randomness, the more it feels out of your control and you get frustrated, right? Because you spent a lot of time and energy playing this game. You spent a lot of, you know, you lose a lot of skill. So in the end, if the la- even if, by the way, everything you do is skill testing, but the last little bit was a random thing that the game decided on, it just makes you leave the game with a bad feeling. Like, one of the things they always stress is, you know, just for game designers, is um, the whole game is important, but the, the end of your game, when you leave the game, that is the mo- that's the strongest experience that a player will have. That's what they'll stick with them. And that's why one of my truisms, I talked about this before, is you want your game to end before your player wants it to end. Why? Because when the game ends, they goes, oh, it's over already? Oh, or I want to play again, or, or when, you know, that was exciting. If the game ends after they want it to end, they go, oh, finally, the game's over. You know, in the first, they're excited, they're motivated. They, they left with this, like, empowering desire to want to play again. In the second, they're like, they write it off, you know, and maybe they'll play again, but man, you're making it hard for them, right? You want them leaving your game wanting more. And so I, I say this all the time I talk to game designers is end the game before the player wants it to end. Leave them wanting more. That's very important. Okay, so... Um, uh, okay, so you want to get your randomness early in the game. Next, allow manipulation of the randomness. So what I mean by that is... Um, and Magic does this. For example, card drawing is the most random part of the game. But we give you a lot of tools to affect the randomness. 
The, the same uh, with mana. Mana is the other big brain, the, the mana system. But we give you tools to impact it. You know, in fact, one of the things we try to do is we say, hey, experienced players, mana can have some randomness to it, but here's a bunch of tools. And so the better player has more ability to manipulate mana, so, yeah, sometimes it goes against it, but the majority of the time, you know, they lessen when that happens. Um, and that players in general feel better when they feel like they had a chance, even if, and this is important, they never actually use that chance, you know, so the fact that the game has means to affect your drawing, even if someone never plays cards to affect their drawing, they feel like, oh, the game feels fair because there's an opportunity to do it. You know? And I think, I think that is very important. You know, that the player playing the game feels from the designer a sense of fairness. And that what you want to do is you want the random done in such a way that the player goes, okay, I could have opted in to impact that. You know? Oh, I see it's random. Oh, but the game designer gave me tools to make it less random if I desire. And that it, now it's up to them. They, they can use those tools or not use those tools. But you, the game designer, gave them the tools. And that is pretty important, that you gave them the tools. You know, that a, a lot of goodwill, I talked about before, like, like a lot of the trust of the, of the game player, the game designer is, were they fair to me? Was the game, you know, the, the game designer has a huge amount of power. And the game player is like, okay, I want this person to be fair to me. And if the game ends and they feel you weren't fair, then they're mad at you. They're like, bleep you. You know, they're like, what, what, you know, what are you doing, game designer? You know, you weren't playing fair with me. And the only response they have is, okay, they don't play your game again. You know, and what you want is you want the game player to feel like the game designer, you know, challenged them. And, and, and it's not that the game player doesn't want to be challenged or have to work for things or get, doesn't, never wants to be frustrated. But they want to feel like it was done in an honest attempt, where that the game designer was working with them and not against them. And that's a huge... That, one second, let me stress this. Uh, the game designer is supposed to be the ally to the game player, not the combatant of the game player. You know, you the game, you the game designer are not supposed to fight the game player. You're not trying to keep them from winning. Your job is to make their journey fun. Not keep them from getting there or not, you know, I mean, yes, you're supposed to throw obstacles in their way because part of what you're doing is making it something that they have to overcome because that's a lot of the joys of games. But your job is not to frustrate them. Your job is not to, your job is to create these experiences, allowing them the opportunity to react and overcome that. And, and randomness is a good example of this, which is randomness used correctly allows excitement and fun and lets them react to it. Used badly, it makes them feel bad. It makes them feel helpless. It, it you know, makes it create variants that they don't want you know, or, or, or repetition that they don't want. Um, okay, finally, another big thing for people to be careful about in, ga- in game design is what I call the icons of randomness. Um, so the, the two biggest icons of randomness are dice and coins. Uh, and the reason is, wh- what does a dice exist for? It's a tool of randomness. Now, a coin, is, coin obviously, you can spend, spend it to buy stuff. But uh, the, the idea of, I'm going to make a 50-50 decision, flip a coin, is so ingrained that both those items are used to create a, a sense of randomness. And so you have to be very careful when you use them. Now, I'm not saying you can never use them, because I think used correctly. I mean, Magic uses coin flips from time to time. Um, we use dice rolling in... Let me talk a little bit about dice rolling. So Unglued had dice rolling, and um, 
it, it fared poorly in our Godbook study. Um, but it's funny that I look back. I think one of the mistakes I made was the same thing. I wasn't using randomly correctly. So, for example, a lot of the random cards I did were like, roll a die, Some, something happens, one through six. And the problem with that kind of card is, well, how do you use that card? I don't know what it's going to do. I can't plan around it. I can't build around it. And it's kind of frustrating. It's like, well, I hope six happens, you know. Um, and the ones that I enjoyed a lot more were the ones in which there were some variants that I knew I was getting something. Like, and, and this referring to what I was talking about before. Like, I actually thought um, Elvish, um, uh, Elvish Impersonator, which was you roll two six-sided die, uh, and one was his power, one was his toughness. I thought that card was a very interesting card. Now, every once in a while you got hose, you got the one-one or the one-two or something, you know. But the neat thing about it was I wasn't quite sure what... I always got a creature, you know, and I had to sort of adapt to what the creature was. Where I felt something like Earth's a science experiment, where it's like I didn't know what it was going to be, or strategy, strategy. I didn't know what it was going to do. I, like, I didn't even put him in my deck because I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and I feel like one of the big lessons, lo- looking back on it, is I think I threw the the baby over the bathwater in the sense that I go, oh, people don't like dice. And what, what I didn't do is sort of the lessons I'm saying today is, oh, no, 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 no. There's interesting, there's interesting variety, you know, uh, randomness, and there's, un, there's unfun randomness. And I think that I, in Unglued, interestingly, I wasn't using my dice as well as I could um, to try to make the dice play something that was fun. Anyway, more, more me observing my own, my own past and, and looking at things. Um, but anyway, my, my advice on the icons of randomness Dice and coins is and spinners. By the way, spinners would be the third icon of randomness. Um, is you have to be careful. If your game is associated with that, you're fine. Um, for example, Magic is a trading card game. It has cards. It's going to have a deck. That's a given. You know, like it's funny because like you throw dice or coins and people go what. You know, but, like, shuffling your deck, oh, well, of course you got to shuffle your deck. And it's like, oh, well, our, we're a trading card game. Well, there's an expectation of a deck of cards. That's just a given, you know. And the fact that you would shuffle a deck of cards, well, most games with cards shuffle cards. Almost all games with cards shuffle cards. So that's a given, you know. If you were playing a board game, you get dice. You get dice in a board game, you know. An example I, I used in my article is a very interesting one, so I'll bring that up, which is, so I worked with Richard Garfield on, we made, uh, it was called a Star Wars trading card game. Uh, Wizards Ghost made it. And what Richard's vision for it, what happened was Richard designed the game system, of which I was on the team, and then I led the the core set design, essentially. Um, and so Richard's vision of it was that it was a miniatures game, but with with cards. That it functioned like a miniatures game. And so the idea was every card had on it the ability to do damage. And that... Define, it said how many dice you got to roll, essentially. And so what happened was, when you're having fights, oh, well, you know, my spaceship is fighting your spaceship, and, oh, I have so many dice I get to roll. And so there, were, there was a lot of dice rolling. A, a lot of dice rolling. Because it was, a, essentially, he made a miniatures game. I mean, it was a trading card game with a miniature sensibility. And here's the interesting thing. Players really rebelled against it. They're like, they didn't want to be rolling that much dice in their trading card game. Um, and, like I said, it created this very interesting dynamic, which is... If I have to roll one die, that is a lot more random than if I have to roll ten dice. Uh, and the reason is, the more dice I roll, the more chance I have to offset, um, you know, the highs and the lows. Because, as, as I mean, real quickly into probability, uh, if I roll a six-sided die, 
you know, a million times, it's going to average 3.5. That's the average, I mean, that doesn't exist on the die, but, but if the, the average of the rolls would be 3.5, because that's the middle. The lowest you can roll is a 1, the highest you can roll is 6, the average is 3.5. Um, the more dice you roll, the closer you get to that average. The fewer dice you roll, the more variance you can get, because if I roll just one die, well, I could roll one, I could roll six. You know, any one die, I have an equal chance of rolling anything. You know, it's just with time, you know, I'm going to lean toward, um, I'm going to lean toward the, the expected value. And so, um, in that game, we were rolling a lot more dice. So, the, the funny thing is that, the randomness in the game is actually less than many other dice game, but the the public perceived it as more because they were rolling more dice. So that like dice is such an icon of luck that lots of dice mu- must mean even more random, you know. And that was a very interesting eye opening thing about how people perceive, you know, random objects that they have a lot of weighted value in them. And that's another thing I, I would say to game designers in general, which is. Every object you include in your game comes with baggage that has nothing to do with you or your game. And you have to be aware of what that baggage is, you know. Um, and magic, the, the corollary in magic is that um, card types, for example, come with baggage. You know, that magic's 20 years old and that people have come to expect that certain card types mean certain things. And that doesn't mean you can't play against the expectation, but... You know, be aware your audience has invested. It. Like when when you sit down to play a game, uh, once again I talk about you know you your player putting trust into the game designer that um, they have expectations and that you have to understand their expectations. That doesn't mean you can't break their expectations, but that comes at a cost and you have to value that cost. You know, it's okay to shock the player some amount of the time or make them. You know, like one of the things I learned in Magic, this is a very interesting thing, which is every year we can do something different. Every year we can do something that Magic hasn't done before. But after we choose that thing that's different, everything else needs to be the same. Um, and my example here is, I'll talk to my, uh, my sitcom background. So in a sitcom, you have three things. You have a cast of characters, you have a location... And you have a place, and you have a style of show, um, a, a kind of story that you tell. And so every week, people come, it's the same characters in the same location, doing the same kind of story. Um, now, you can stretch yourself on any one week, you could change one of those three things. You could change up who the people are, you could change up where they are, you could change up the kind of story you tell. But if you're going to change one of them, you got to keep the other two the same. You know, and this is true in games as in storytelling, which is people crave comfort as much as surprise. You can't just surprise them. You must have comfort. Um, it's funny. When I get to the, the, my communication theory the podcast, comfort and surprise are two of them. So it, 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 people need their comfort. So surprise is awesome, but you got to surround the you got to surround the surprise with comfort. And magic, what that means is we can make you do something you've never done before, but everything else is a known quantity that you understand, so that that isn't disorienting. You know, I mean, one of the things we could do on magic is we could make every year completely disorienting. I can change so many things. You're like, oh, what a, you know, I can even I, I can even do this. I could take a year where every change I've made is something Magic has done, but do them all in one year, and you wouldn't recognize the game, you know? And that, that that's not good, you know? One of the things about Magic, the reason Magic has done as well as it has for as long as it has, is not... I mean, it's funny. People always focus on the fact that we keep changing the experience, and part of that is important, 
But we also have kept consistency that, you know, if you play Magic and go away and come back to it, it's still the game you know. I mean, things have changed, but at, at its core, it's still the game you know. Um, anyway, leaving a little bit from randomness in my random uh, talk today. Uh, so anyway, my last thing is talking about be aware of the icons you're using and that if you're using icons of randomness, you have to be careful how you use them and be aware that there's a perception from your audience that, that, that it comes loaded. Um, yeah, the, the dice are loaded. Um, that the imagery and what it means to people has, has meaning and you, the game designer, have to take that into account. Okay. So I, I, uh, I think today is a... I, I, I have not looked at my clock, but uh, I'm guessing this is a slightly longer project. So I'm, I'm almost at work. I, I'm, I'm driving the final road. Um, uh, so I, I realize I need to sum up here. Um, I, I, uh, I think what the, the essence of today's thing is, is that randomness is a potent but dangerous tool for a game designer. And the reason is it can do great good and it can do great bad. That, that randomness used properly creates the fun, creates the excitement, creates the, the adrenaline rush. It, you know, it, it, it does allow actual skill testing to happen. Like, used correctly, randomness is one of the great spices of gaming. But used wrong, it makes you spit it out, my, my salt analogy. Used correctly, it enhances the flavors. Used incorrectly, uh, you know, like... I'll tell you a little story here. So when I was a kid, um, I never cooked much. And um, so one day, we, we were doing some fundraiser or something, and I, I was really invested. I wanted to contribute to the fundraiser. So I said I was going to make brownies. So I took my mom's recipe, which was all handwritten in pencil, and I was making it. So I had the batter already. I was about to put it in the oven, and my sister walks by. Um, my sister's name Elise, you're younger than me. And my sister said... Puts her finger in the batter. She, she, she asked me if she could taste the batter. I said, yeah. Put it in. She spit it out. And she's like, how much salt did you put in that thing? And I said, a fourth of a cup. She's like, what? I go, no, look look at the recipe. It's a fourth of a cup. She goes, no, no, no. That's, you know, it, was, it was a tea. My mom had curved the tea. She goes, that's a teaspoon. That's not cup. I go, no, it says cup. She goes, you don't put a fourth of a cup of salt in anything. You know, and, uh, and, and the, I use this as my parallel, which is... Um, a brownie with no salt would probably not taste as good. But a brownie with a fourth of a cup of salt tastes about as bad as brownies can taste. Uh, randomness is the salt in the brownies, which is used correctly, using the right amount, um, it can really enhance. You know, salt does a great job of bringing out the flavor. Randomness can bring out a lot of the, the essence of a game and really make it shine. You know, I, game designers should not shy away from randomness. There's a lot of fun in randomness. Um, but you have to use it carefully. Um, you have to use it in the correct way. And my, my truism, as I talked talk in my article, which is randomness makes games fun, but the appearance of randomness tends to upset game players, especially more, you know, core game players. And so a game designer is doing his job, is using it, is using it correctly, is putting it in the right places, and is, is not shining too bright a light on it, and that it's kind of more subtly doing what it's doing rather than blatantly doing what it's doing. Because if it gets too blatant, it turns the audience off. And so the job of a game designer is to find ways to subtly get the, you know, subtly get the, the, the randomness into the game to, for all its enhancements, for its, you know, its salty goodness. Um, but not in such a way that it draws too much attention to itself. 
You know, the second you can taste salt in the batter, that's, that's not a good sign, you know. Um, and so, it really, really my, my take home for today, as I park in, in my parking space, is randomness is not to be feared. Game designers, do not fear randomness. Randomness is your friend. But it is a friend you have to watch carefully. Uh, all my metaphors today. Randomness is a very important tool, but it's a tool that has to be used properly. And I'm hoping today to stress that that when used properly, it really is something special that helps games. Um, but that used incorrectly, it can be just as damaging as it can be helpful. Anyway, I'm now at work. Uh, and I had an extra long podcast today because my random way to work was 10 minutes longer. So a little bonus for all of you. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. And uh, it's time to go make the magic.